Nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Hello, everyone. Uh, Fletcher, we're going to play a game again called What's Wrong Here? The Advanced Quiz. You did so well the last time we were talking about misusages or using words correctly and incorrectly that we gave you a little bit of a harder go. This is sort of an honor levels course. Um, If you pass this with flying colors, we'll go on to the PhD level, but that comes later. Okay, you ready? Are you listening? Okay, now in this sentence is a word that is used incorrectly. Which is it? Rotten tomatoes eliminates the distinction between genuine passion and lukewarm acceptance or alternately, the distinction between lukewarm dislike and passionate hatred. That was in GQ. Which word is wrong? Okay, why don't you repeat it again, Kath? Because I kind of lost it as you were talking. Rotten tomatoes eliminates the distinction between genuine passion and lukewarm acceptance, or alternately, the distinction between lukewarm dislike and passionate hatred. Hmm, that's tough. I, I know what I would take issue with, which is the word alternately because i don't think that uh, wow. we're talking about an alternate yes. oh yeah ding, i got ding, it ding, ding, ding. good Winner show Fletcher. chicken dinner it should have been alternatively yeah okay they yeah. sound alike but they don't mean the same good thing. show yeah alternate uh refers to two or more things happening one t- one after another alternatively is in this case should have been the correct word should have been the word that was used means another choice or a possibility the problem with these two words is they sound a lot alike they come from the same Latin uh, root of uh, the same Latin word alternatus and um, root word alternatus. And in Latin, actually, alternativus and alternatus basically kind of mean the same thing. So Latin is much of a help, but we have to just stick in and, our heads. Oh, I'm going to cut you off, Ross. I'm sorry. I got excited. <laughs> Alternately, the problem also is it's been used incorrectly because they sound so like for years. Um, I think the OED had it going back um, using alternate instead of alternative back to 1776. So it's kind of like one of those things, we've talked about these before, where technically wrong, but they've been used they've been used interchangeably for so many years that it's kind of gotten so blurry. I don't think it's a big deal. Do you think it's a big deal, Ross? I still would say alternatively. I, I would I would not say alternately, I would not use it incorrectly. I wouldn't have a big thing about if someone used it incorrectly, but I would, I try to stick to alternatively and, and uh, instead of alternately, I would have done it. What do you think, Fletcher? What about you, Fletcher? Yeah. I think there's a really good chance that I've used it incorrectly myself, uh, just not thinking about it. But I'm kind of on Ross's side. I would still probably try to use the correct whichever one you mean because i mean they do have different meanings in general it's not going to matter that much and like i said i probably just in casual conversation used the wrong one i'm just guessing so it's not a huge deal but but there there is a difference i think so i actually know i say alternately i don't think i've ever said alternatively oh can i say something just quickly throw out though i think we should deal with this one day when kathy said when she read the sentence 
she kind of reverted a little bit back to her New York roots. And you said alternately. You didn't say you didn't pronounce the R. Alternately. Yeah. She did not pronounce the R, which is a something we should deal with. Like it's called rhotic and non-rhotic uh, speech. And certain people. So just, <laughs> I'll be the poster child. <laughs> yeah, they cut out the R. And it was interesting because Kathy definitely cut out the R. And I hear it a fair amount. Even with transplanted New Yorkers where they they'll sort of take out that R here, here and there occasionally. Anyway, next word. Okay, Fletcher, it's another sentence here, and I'm going to read it, and you're going to hopefully or probably find the um, wrong word. Vegans adjure violence, and vegans expand the principle of harmlessness. Okay, I'll say it again. Stepniak, I'll say the whole sentence this time. Stepniak offers a code of vegan ethics. Vegans adjure violence. And vegans expand the principle of harmlessness. This is from a book called The Rhetoric of Food. This is a tough one. God, I'm having trouble just even wrapping my head around the what it... I'll do it one more time. Stepniak offers a code of vegan ethics. One, vegans endure violence. And two, vegans expand the principle of harmlessness. I gotta say, I'm, I'm not super sure which part's wrong. I don't like how... I, it all sounds weird to me. Nothing sounds quite right, but y- you're going to have to tell me, actually, which one which one we're looking at. Okay, this is a really interesting one. It's a really common, common mistake that many people make. Um, it helps if you know Latin, which most people don't, for good reason. They're doing things that are useful otherwise. Okay, it's adjure was the wrong word. She said... Yeah, I felt like that was probably... I mean, I, I would have I, I would have said something like abhor instead. Yeah, it's definitely... Because actually what she said was wrong. I mean, it was actually not even not even a poor choice of words. It was a very bad choice of words. Adjure basically means require under oath or to earnestly urge. So if you have vegans adjuring violence, they're getting their pitchforks ready. They're ready for an attack. They're hoping for violence. Which we was, wanted ab, abjure, didn't we? Precisely. She was trying to say abjure. Abjure, and and, they, and basically the, the whole thing boils down to the original Latin roots. When you have ad, it means you're going to something. It's, the, it's a two word in Latin. And ab is an away word. So with adjure, you're, you're going into it. You want to fight. Abjure means to renounce or reject. And that means to go away from. So if you don't want vegans on a rampage, they should be abjuring violence, not adjuring. Rejecting, not advocating for violence. This one, though, I mean, in fairness, this one to me is a little arcane. I, I, I mean, the course of a regular, I'm just thinking in a, the course of a regular day or week, I don't think I often have, or if ever, I've never used adjure, to be honest with you. I have used abjure, but not often. But have you guys, have you ever really used adjure? I, 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 it's a word that I'm not really familiar with. Like, I, it, it's not a pal of mine, if you will. Okay, I, it's funny because when, um, when I was in the Foreign Service, those words would come up. They were, they were oddly enough, I do remember both words being used. I guess because abjure, like you're calling upon, you know, a terrorist group to abjure violence or whatever. You're, there would be, um, I, I heard it a fair amount, actually. It's probably a sort of a snooty word used like in diplomatic language, I think is probably the key thing. Yeah, and I'm I'm just going to say I was a little ignorant. I mean, I, Adjure, I, I know the word, but it's not one that I hardly ever see at all. And, and so, I mean, I'm not super familiar with it, and I, I think that's why it didn't jump out at me one way or the other. I, obviously, I 
while you were speaking, it became clear to me that abjure was probably the word we wanted there. But uh, I, I think that's why, yeah, it didn't jump out because I, I don't actually see it that often. Mm-hmm. I'm the same. Exactly. Should we move ahead to the next one? Yeah, but I think it's really good to point to point that one out because obviously people are using it incorrectly, and and that's definitely uh, that's nothing like alternately or alternatively. There are definite differences in what those words mean, and they need to be used correctly. I think we go back to we've talked about this before. I think this is a case where people are trying so hard to sound smart. They're yep. using words that they're not familiar with, and they're and they end up using them incorrectly, and it, and it it blows the whole cover of yes, I'm brilliant. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. <laughs> also, I just looked it up, and it's used a fair amount legally. And if it's used incorrectly mm. legally, you're in real problems. So I think. Oh yeah. So I think it's probably a good idea to keep that distinction in mind. <laughs> My client hereby, you know, adjures violence or something. It's not what you want to hear a lawyer say about you. So. <laughs> <laughs> but then, if no one knows what it means, <laughs> so you're better off preaching that in front of a like you know, if you're in front of an ignorant audience, you're safe. So that's the key. Yeah, make sure you're having a jury trial rather than a bench trial. (laughs) uh, You're going to use that word. (laughs) That's a good point, Fletcher. Okay, now, sentence number whatever we're up to. Spanning 81 sites across the contiguous United States, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, experimental forests offer an unparalleled opportunity to view environmental change on the continental scale. Let me read it again. Yeah, read it again. Read it again. Spanning 81 sites across the contiguous United States, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands, experimental forests offer an unparalleled opportunity to view environmental change at the continental scale. I feel like the problem here is probably contiguous. Um, Good Lord, Fletcher! <laughs> this one was one that we that we got wrong, and that we were basically gonna we were gonna preamble this with. There's no way you're gonna catch this one, and you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we didn't use yes. that preamble. So. Okay, do you know why, Fletcher? I, I just want to hear what your reasoning is. I'm not sure I can verbalize it all that well. Contiguous uh, does. It... <clears throat> I mean, I know you have to share a border, right, to be contiguous. Oh my, oh my gosh! <laughs> I think we're gonna. Russ, we never do an IQ test on this show against Fletcher. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Fletcher, you've got it. You're completely correct. And I have to say this: Kathy and I are going to both confess we both would have gotten this wrong, and we neither of us knew the correct, the technically correct word. I'm not sure you do. You probably do, and you're going to go, of course, but. Do you know the word conterminous? Conterminous. Oh, I've heard it, but I, I couldn't have pulled that out. No way. Okay, but that <laughs> that was the word that should be used. Phew. <laughs> Technically, contiguous means an actual contact. Um, it comes from the Latin uh, contigere, which is touching. Obviously, the 50 states all don't touch each other. Conterminous means enclosed within a common boundary. They share a common boundary. So the 48 contiguous states really should have been called the 48 conterminous states. Kath and I looked this up and I mean, it it's really almost nowhere except amongst like really, really technical people. But, you know, Kath, what, didn't you look it up on Google Ngram or something, Kath? I, I, well, the thing that got me is on the Ngram, that's printed material. There was almost a tie between the usage of contiguous to contiguous and conterminous. 
conterminous. I can't even say it. I've never, I never saw it. But I mean, in regular speech, it's two to one, uh, contiguous over conterminous. But interestingly enough, if you looked up, which I did, uh, contiguous United States, Wikipedia in the very first line says officially the, the conterminous United States. So people are aware of it. Yeah, well, Wiki, Wikipedia, people who edit Wikipedia are, are often pedants. And so they're yeah. going to they're gonna get that right. I'm surprised it's only two to one in in regular speech. I would have assumed that contiguous was, you know, three or four well, to one. But in fairness, it's not regular speech. It's just that was just Google just doing a regular yeah, search okay. on Google. Yeah. So the con the conterminous was usually official, you know, scientific reports and government documents, that kind of thing. Yeah. In fairness, I don't think most people walk around saying I'm visiting the conterminous United States. And I think we're hitting the point where we're uh, already all agreeing that this you know, it, it's not a big deal. Everybody, I mean, everybody says contiguous, uh, you know, it, it's almost enough that, that that meaning has changed, at least regarding the United States. That's, I was going to ask you what you, what your opinion was. And that's exactly my opinion. I would actually say that contiguous states were talking to people. I would never say conterminous states. I'd feel like an idiot saying it or a pedant. I wouldn't say it. Conterminous to me sounds geological. I mean, honestly, if someone said conterminous, I would think it had something to do with like, you know, coal or fracking or something yet honestly when i looked it up i found conterminous used a lot in geological uh in geological papers and stuff. oh really yeah i think probably for geology it's important because you don't you do want to like you know make sure the i don't know the the met the you know reef or whatever you call the like the underground rock formations or... shoal isn't it or something and i think this um i mean this goes to a big issue which is that you want people to understand you, right? And sometimes saying something that people will understand is maybe more important than saying the exact correct word. Yeah. I mean, if you said, if, if you go around talking about the conterminous United States, most people aren't going to know what the heck you're talking about. So you're actually causing more problems by using the correct word. I think you're right. Exactly. Completely. Yeah. No, I think we should all stick with contiguous. If someone gets snooty, we'll go, oh, we know it's conterminous, but we we prefer contiguous. So speak with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know how often that'll happen <laughs> <laughs> okay Fletcher now it's a breather time um, this is a probably one that you'll I mean you're getting 100% anyway I think we're going go to have to do the PhD one of these days and start really throwing the tough ones but anyway here's a salon article and here's the sentence no matter the insanity of the secretaries in charge of the environment education energy or other departments None seems willing to openly flaunt the rule of law as Trump. Oh, sure. This has actually been really, really popular on Twitter lately. You said flaunt and what you meant was flout, which I think maybe we've mentioned before. But right now, uh, it's really been going crazy because of President Trump and the administration's uh, lack of attention to COVID-19 um, uh, mm -hmm. pre precautions, that sort of thing. Yeah, this one we've seen everywhere recently, which is why we've re-brought it up, because it, it's just, it's incredible how much how many people actually con consistently make this error. I, I don't really, it's an easy mistake to make. They're technically paronyms in the sense that they look and sound similar, and they entered into English at the same time, but they're clearly two different things. One, flaunt means to brazenly show off, Two, flout means to openly disregard the rule of law. And they're they're very different. This one actually frightens me a bit because it's becoming so common 
that um, even I think it was Merriam-Webster even said that it you, they can't call it substandard anymore because oh context that they, they found it used incorrectly weren't substandard. So I'm scared actually a little bit that it, the, it's gotten so blurred that we might end up seeing this, which is ridiculous. I mean, they're just, uh, they're so different. I mean, Flout, which I really liked, I just have to add, just because I thought it was fascinating, came in the um, 1500s and it started from playing on a flute, which makes sense if you look at the word. But it also meant to whistle or hiss derisively. Derisively? How do you print? That's a word that I always am scared to pronounce out loud. Derisive, derisive, whatever. But flaunt, um, no one knows where it came from, but was, you know, showing off, like flaunting your, your feathers and stuff. And there's never been a crossover until recently with the, with the misuse of them. And I hear it all the time. I hear it on TV. Like, I've heard politicians, anchors, et cetera. I mean, it's, it's really being misused by people who should know better. Yeah, and this is not an example of pedantry getting in the way. They're, they're, they are so different in meaning that that can really cause problems uh, if, if context clues aren't completely clear. Oh, mm-hmm. yes, definitely. I, I don't think this one... Um, oh, it's derisive, apparently, is pronounced. I never, I always say derisive. That's a new law. I just learned. Yeah, it's, it's, I always am scared to say it. I, really, I am. And you can see why. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think flaunt and flout, I think, are clearly different. And I think we should use them incorrectly. In I don't think we should we should uh, let them merge into each other. And this is another one now. This is another one I've heard misused. Um, and I hear this a lot on TV. And in fact, the, the example we have is from a Fox Business Network anchor. The, the, the sentence is, it was an historical day on Wall Street, the biggest intraday drop ever. Okay. Intraday seems fine. It's, it's got to be historical versus historic. <laughs> I don't think we should ever give Fletcher a quiz again. Well, I think we're, you're right. We're going to do stump. <laughs> historical is the issue. It should indeed be historic. This is an but interesting Ross, one. But yeah, please tell me why. Yeah. This is an interesting one, and this is really getting persnickety. I don't really think it's a big deal. But technically, historic is an adjective that means significant or famous in history. Historical is an adjective that means simply belonging to the past. So yesterday I ate a chicken salad sandwich on rye bread. That was historical. That's what I did yesterday. I would not say my eating a chicken salad sandwich on rye bread is historic because it's not famous or important in history. A drop in the stock market technically is historic, unless it happens every day, in which case it just, you know, this is one of those days it was historical. It's an interesting distinction because it's a very recent distinction. In Shakespeare's day, you could say historical to mean historic, uh, historic and vice versa without anyone saying anything. But today, particularly in, England, in, in the States, modern convention prefers to keep those words distinct. Then you've got, you can throw in the wrinkles when people say hysterical instead of historical, oh, no. which really causes issues. Have you heard that? That's incredible. Yeah, I've actually seen it in like, usually it's like small, t- small town sort of paper ads. I saw one, it was like, visit our hysterical downtown. It was just like, wow. okay. <laughs> People screaming in the street. I think that, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to type that one up though to bad copy editing, frankly. Okay, next we have, the action shifts without a moment's pause to a bank robbery in Queens with a sly racial commentary inferred by having common, Connie and Nick Hold up in an African American cashier while disguised that gives in a disguise that gives them the appearance of black men. The action then shifts without a moment's pause 
to bank robbery in Queens with a sly racial commentary inferred by having Connie and Nick hold up an African-American cashier. Well, that's assuming a that's assuming a lot about me. If you're telling me that it's inferred, usually you would mean implied there, because that's uh, what the person the person who made it is implying something. I'm the one who infers it. Right. Right. <laughs> this is one that a lot of people get wrong, actually, and and, and it, it, they're they're almost opposites. Imply and infer. You're right. Like when you imply something, you're giving the information. When you infer so, when you infer something, you're receiving the information. I mean, so implying is suggesting something or hinting at it, inferring you're concluding something based on what you've seen, like the the signals you've you've picked up. But they, they really, um, some dictionaries even have in their definitions of imply, they have hint as a later def, uh, excuse me, in infer, they they include in the de, in the definitions they sometimes include hint or imply as a, as like the third or the fourth definition which is really frightening to me. This one I'm really strict on. I don't think we should play games with this one. I think we should definitely use these in a correct way. I, I just don't like the fact that some dictionaries are, it reminds me of, the, of which we've talked about at length, the literary figurative, literally figuratively issue. The fact that some dictionaries are including uh, hint or imply as, as a definition for infer, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, I know that's usage, but I don't like it at all. Yeah, it's funny. Kath and I have been talking about this a lot recently because we kind of have a sine wave when it comes up to it with our opinions on language and usage. Sometimes we get very liberal. Oh, that's all right. Then we get conservative. And then I think we're really basically now kind of melding into sort of a middle middle ground here. I think it's dangerous. A lot of times I'll read linguists saying, well, you know, this is what this is. We're talking about usage, so it doesn't really matter. This is what people are saying. But we're trying to as Fletcher keeps pointing out, we're also trying to get a point across here. And if we're confusing people, it doesn't seem very helpful. I also think the one danger of being overly liberal uh, with, with word usage, with saying, oh, anything goes, is that most of us aren't, um, you know, linguists like sitting in a, in, in a, in a room talking about language. We're, we're writing resumes. We're writing reports for people. We're going for job interviews. And we're dealing with people who can be persnickety and, and somewhat. So I think it's important also to try to sort of go towards what's generally seen as correct now um, if, you know, if we want to uh, be out there in the world. I think, like you were saying earlier, I mean, contiguous, con conterminous, I think, sets you up as a prig. I would stick with contiguous. Imply and fur, I think we should we should have distinctions. Well, that's what's interesting, Ross. I, you know, the articles, Ross and I have written articles for Harvard Business Review and CNBC about word usage. Um, and the thing that's fascinating is editors reached out to us because they said that they wanted, you know, their, their audience wants to know what mistakes to not make for the reasons Ross was saying and, you know, doing resumes or interviews and such. And it's fascinating that a lot of these are younger people and they seem more concerned about correct usage than us, you know, which is just interesting to me. I think that we're, we, you know, the liberal nature of dictionaries of like, oh, oh let it all hang out in effect, it isn't like underscored by people sometimes. That's all, which I think is, is just an interesting thing. Yeah, I don't think we should be overly prescriptive, but I think we should be prescriptive when, when we need to be. Now, here's a case where we have no need to be prescriptive whatsoever. This is just a fun <laughs> one that's sort of interesting. Okay, ready, ready Fletcher? Okay, the senator who's retiring this year admits it's a tough road to hoe for any conservative to get love from the members of the academy. It sounded like you said road to hoe, and, and of course that's row. Yep, 
that's it. This is just a, a amazingly common um, quote mistake. Thank I don't think on. it's a big deal at all. But obviously, the, I mean, the, the the origin of this comes from uh, hoeing, and you don't hoe roads; you hoe rows of corn or whatever. Fletcher is from Kansas, so I think Fletcher probably instinctively. From birth, knew this. <laughs> it's, it's somewhere deep in deep in my blood. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Whereas, uh, obviously, interesting enough, we we looked it up actually, trying to get the etymology, and um, it goes back. It's all American. The word, the phrase, is an all American phrase. It goes back to Davy Crockett years. He used it in his memoirs in eighteen thirty-five. Although the interesting hmm. thing that we found was they don't say they used to not say tough row to hoe. They would say hard row to hoe. But then, obviously, nowadays, um, people don't think of rows, except, uh, you know, people non-farming people don't think of rows, so they switch it over to road, just like dull as ditch water became dull as dishwater later on. Right. But the other funny thing was tough road to hoe is everywhere in sports. We found it everywhere. And um, we even found it in an agricultural magazine, which was really bizarre. Farming can be a tough road to hoe for the young which we thought was bad. And agricultural. Yes. Wow. Yes. The next one, this is just, this is another phrase, and I'm going to have to spell this one. Um, this is from Huffing, Huffington Post. It is a step in the right direction, and brands such as Saint Laurent, who have promoted the heroin chic look with skeletal models, will be the first to have to toe the line. Toe the line. T-O-W the line. <laughs> <laughs> Really, are, are we are we really towing that line around? Um, it, of course, we're, we're, we should tow T O E the line. This one actually fascinated the two of us, just like the road the road to hoe, because most of the examples when you pump it uh, plop, plop it into a Google search have tow the line T O W, not T O E, which is shocking because it is T O E the line. And I, I I love the image of people as you said tugging on a rope, and they're not towing the line is. Well, there's all these. Actually, this is one where there's a bunch of different origin stories. Um, some people say it came from, like, on your marks when you put your toes on the line when you're a runner. And they said that instead of saying on your marks, race officials would yell, toe the line. Some said it was from boxing. You stood on either side of a line. And then others say it came from the British Navy when you lined up on a deck uh, for inspection or group punishment and your toes touched the seams. But no one's sure where it came from. But the bottom line, it's all toes. It's not W, it's E. Okay, this is a really annoying one, and it, it really doesn't make that much of a difference. But is I'm going to just ask you a question. Is the meteor hurtling toward Earth, or is it hurtling towards Earth? I don't know. I, I have really always wondered which one was correct, or, or which one... I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if it, I mean, it, it can't matter by this point, but I don't know what it, it, what it ought to be. No. Well, Fletcher got the right it answer. It does not matter. It doesn't matter. It <laughs> doesn't matter at all. It makes no difference. Toward is more common in American English. Towards is more common in British English. No one knows why the uh, W-A-R-D has an S at the end. Forward versus forwards, backward versus backwards, etc. It's basically a, a distinction that we, we went, did a fair amount of research on this out of curiosity. And there's a long, long winded uh, etymological talks. How did this get in there? Uh, Fowler, as in uh, the Dictionary of Modern English Usage, disliked the S at all. But it doesn't make any difference. You can use either one. If you're an American, 
Um, say either one, if you're a British person and you want to be careful, use say it the British way. I just want to leap in, though, that it doesn't matter. Even though it doesn't matter, a number of people do correct you if you say towards in, a, in American English. I've certainly been across it. And yet it doesn't make any difference. So, I mean, like, if anyone ever corrects you, they're wrong. Ha! Take that, that ant. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but it's similar with um, in. Do you say, OK, we had a headline here. Trump, U.S. in good position in regards to North Korea. Oh, regard, regards. Yeah, sure. Which is which should it be? Uh, I mean, I guess I would say I guess I would typically say in regard to. <laughs> well, you'd be typically You're correct. Right. That one matters. <laughs> <laughs> That's not toward towards. <laughs> You're not supposed to put the S on there. It is incorrect. It should be in regard to or with regard to. Right. But it, that's constant now. That's another one that you just see all the time. Yeah, I mean, you can say one thing just to throw out. You can say best regards. In that sense, it's fine. But yeah. it's, uh, when you're using it as, give a, your regards as a, to Broadway. some good wishes, it's fine. And give my regards to Broadway. Mm -hmm. That's okay, too. But when you're referring to something as in with regard to, it's not regards. Ross, he got 100%. He, he got 100%. Well, you guys are giving me a lot of credit on adjure and abjure. I'm not, I don't think that's fair uh, to, to, to you. Um, it's very okay, fair you to still me. got an A. Yeah, I'll take the, I'll take the A, though. <laughs> Ross, you're going to have to come up with a PhD level now. Yep. <laughs> We're raising the stakes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Seattle, Washington, Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at KandRPetrus at gmail.com or email me at Powell at KMUW.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help us. They're how we get more people to find us. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.